Hello everyone and welcome back to Eurovision Rewind, the show where we take a retrospective look at the Eurovision Song Contests of the past and the years in which they took place. I am uh, an overly enthusiastic saxophone player, Jonathan. <laughs> I am uh, I am a, 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 a lack of bombast, Ellis. Mm -hmm. I am an incredibly oversized yellow blazer, Millen. <laughs> Yes, and if you haven't guessed it by now, we are covering the 1995 contest, which I always forget is never a surprise because it's in the title. But um, <laughs> but yeah, before we get into that, um, do you guys have a song of the week? Yeah. What is you it? Want to go for it then? <laughs> <Since you're> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> certainly. Absolutely. So um, if you have heard me complain about ballads before, you will know that I am, a, 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 in fact, a, a quite a bit of a fan of dance music. And um, it, it, and kind of in the more how was how was I gonna structure this? I don't know. I like Daft Punk. Daft Punk is really great, and their second ever single, uh, "Defunk," came out in 1995, which is the same year of this contest. I actually know that song. Hell yeah, I'm glad it's a banger. Um, and so yeah, my song of the week is "Da Funk" by Daft Punk. It's from their first record, Homework. It's a great like. Funky kind of acidy house track that if you are unfamiliar with, you should familiarize yourself with because it's 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 really good. I maybe chose uh, the antithesis to that. Yeah, uh, the song that I chose this week was "Sugar for the Pill" by Slow Dive, which uh, Slow Dive is like a indie shoegaze dream poppy kind of band, um, and. They made music mostly in the 90s, but this album, they made a new album like a few years ago and I thought it was going to be terrible, but actually it's really good and that song is from it. That's a um, pleasant surprise. Yeah, it's very like slow and lethargic and sad, but um, but worth the listen, it's very beautiful. Song? What? Which was the song? Uh, Sugar for the Pill. Yeah, that's that's my favorite by them as well. Oh, nice. Okay. I've definitely heard of that song. I don't know if I've heard that song though necessarily. Hmm. How about you, Melon? Um, my song this week is Claire de Lune, but not by whoever originally composed it. Debussy. By Kamasi Washington. Oh. Um, he does a uh, jazzified version, I guess, blend. He, he improvs on the original piece. Oh, I bet that's and, really good. Oh, it's very wonderful. I played it on loop for several hours as I slept. Um Great song. Nice. Very worthwhile. Yeah, Kamasi Washington. I have seen him live. It was excellent. Ooh. Yeah. Right after the epic came out. It was it was really fun. <laughs> oh, that's good. Would oh. recommend if you get the chance. This song is, is from the epic, so you yeah. might have heard it live. <laughs> Entirely possible. I don't remember it happening, but it's been a minute, so <laughs> who knows? But yeah, good choice, I think. Yeah, good choices all around. So does that mean we're ready to, to dive in? It should be, I think. So we are about to dive into the first year that the internet was fully privatized. Mm -hmm. As we were discovering nearly every year is, there were a number of firsts in 1995. Sandra Day O'Connor became the first woman to oversee the U.S. Supreme Court. Lisa Clayton became the first woman to circumnavigate the Northern Hemisphere by boat. Steve Fawcett became the first person to cross the Pacific by balloon. Oh. And Queen Latifah became the first woman to win a Grammy for a solo rap performance. In politics, the 51st government of Turkey was established by Tansu Siler. The Dayton Agreement was signed, officially ending the Bosnian War. 
President Clinton announced the, re the recommencement of U.S.-Vietnam relations, and Julio Maria Sanguinetti and Jacques Chirac were elected presidents of Uruguay and France, respectively. 1995 was also no stranger to misfortune, with the worst ever subway accident in the world occurring in Baku, where a fire killed 289, a civilian bombing taking place during the Sri Lankan Civil War, Typhoon Angela decimating Southeast Asia, the Samakshi massacre taking place in Chechnya, and a Japanese religious cult releasing sarin gas on five Tokyo subway cars. Oh, whoa, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I did like a deep dive on like Japanese religious cults, and there are many of them, and they're very yeah. interesting. Uh, while South Africa was winning the Rugby World Cup, Toy Story became the first CGI movie to hit theaters. The Washington Post and New York Times published the Unabomber's Manifesto, and the FDA approved the first protease inhibitor to treat HIV-AIDS. Moreover, the Mexican peso crisis raged. The city of Mumbai had its name officially changed from Bombay. Five-year-old Gedhun Choki Nyama was named, the Dalai, named by the Dalai Lama as the 11th reincarnation of the Panchen Lama. Operation Desert Storm officially ended, and the UK's oldest investment banking firm, Barings Bank, went under after losing $1.4 billion on speculating the Tokyo Stock Exchange. Speaking of the UK, or rather her neighbor, the 40th Eurovision Song Contest was held at the Gaiety Theatre in Dublin, Ireland on May 13th. Let's get ready to rewind to 1995. Yeah. Yeah. Really a year. Every year is, I mean... Years have so much stuff in them. That's very <laughs> obvious to say, but every time you do one of these, like, you know, history facts uh, snippets, I'm just amazed with how much stuff there is in one year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. weird. Also, I think music was kind of weird this year, too, because I didn't include yeah. this, but um, I looked at, like, the big Grammy winners, and, like, the two big winners, or the three big winners of the night were um, Bruce Springsteen. Oh. Tony Bennett and Sheryl Crow, but Sheryl Crow was contemporary for the time. But oh god, suck. <laughs> yeah, it's weird, and also, yeah, because if you think about 1995, the music I think of is like, like, like 90s alt rock. Also, like, I don't know. I guess like, what what was like hip hop and rap doing in the mid 90s? Good things. Yeah. Good things. Yeah, that's R and B was at a at its. Uh, not its cultural peak, but a cultural peak in the 90s, mm. for sure. I think that sort of translated on um, some of these songs, slightly. Oh, yeah. yeah. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Slightly. One but. in particular. Mm -hmm. All right. But oh, my God. You're right. <laughs> I forgot about... Oh, my God. I'm so excited now. Mm. It's all it's all flooding back to me. <laughs> That's my favorite Celine Dion song. Um <laughs> Um, but speaking of the music in 95, um, I was able to pull the chart from the specific week of the contest. Uh, also, Ooh. also the, all the number ones from the year 1995, I think you could probably guess all of the number ones. So that's what I'm going to have you guys do. Oh shit. Let's go. Um, I should probably close this Wikipedia page then. Um, and then after that, I'm probably going to go through some of the songs that were in the charts this week because some of them were interesting but Cheers, um, yeah but yeah so uh from the 7th of january until the 11th of february uh the number one song was it's a song you definitely know it is by a it's by a swedish like dance group 
and okay. it is a cover of an american folk song oh oh hold on hold the fuck on did that hit number one what what what, what could you be I, referring i'm thinking of redneck spelt with an x cotton eye joe you would be right oh goodness for five weeks and also like we're led to since that was like the first one we're led to believe that it probably was number one before that too oh my god i didn't realize that hit number one holy in shit. europe it did at least yeah shout outs um also to go on youtube look up todd in the shadows he has a series called one hit wonderland that like does oh, backstories on one hit wonders is a great episode on on uh cotton eye joe highly recommend yeah, all right. I cannot believe that was number one. <laughs> that is crazy. I, I've never actually heard that song in full. I've only heard the folk version and the uh, indie rock version. Wait, what? Surely you've been to a middle school dance. I was just supposed to say the same thing. You're right. You're very right. Maybe I have. <laughs> I feel like just even like in your everyday life, you'd be subjected to it at some point. Yeah. Because, you know, whenever whenever there's a party, uh, where who, where did he come from? Where did he go? Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. All right. On, uh, the, on the album, Sex and Violins. Yes, first, I knew that. First track off that album. Uh, hitting the ground oh, that's running. That's something else. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. All right. So from the 18th of February until the 8th of April uh is this next number one song from what i understand it's kind of a one-hit wonder it is like a uh it's like a reggae inspired hip-hop song oh i do know this one partially well, I because i partially because i was just looking at the charts uh-huh well i i think i know this one then boombastic by oh no, no different different reggae inspired yeah because i was gonna say that's not a one-hit wonder but yeah yeah, i know it's not um at least i i haven't heard of this person maybe it Okay, uh, I'm trying to think who else fits into that. J- Damien Junior Gong Marley. <laughs> nope. Okay. Um, reggae inspired. It doesn't have as much of the of the staying power that a lot of these songs did. But when yeah. I like, I didn't know it by name, but when I listened to it, I was like, I a thousand percent know this song. Oh, interesting. Any ideas, Melon? Uh, I do not know. Male or female vocalist? Male. Shit. Yeah, beats me. Uh, Here Comes the Hot Stepper by Ini Kamose. Yeah, no, I don't know it. I'm I'm going to have to look that up because I feel like you've heard it before at some point. Probably, but the name certainly does not ring a bell. Melanie, do you know this song? I'm, I'm giving a listen to it now. The first... Uh, no, the first seven seconds are unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think I know it. Yeah, I can't it say I've heard this either. Hmm. It definitely fits the '90s, though, in it a does. very big way. It's a bop for sure. I, I will be listening to it more often now that I know <laughs> the title of the artist. This next song, you a thousand percent know. It uh, was number one on April fifteenth, and then again from the twenty seventh of May until the seventeenth of June. It is. It was involved in a really early internet meme, and I'm going to leave it. I think that I now. know this one. Oh, what is it, Millen? I'm gonna guess uh okay how early i guess is this internet meme um like like during like during our our time on the internet okay okay then i'm pretty sure i know this one what is Is it it, this is how we do it no oh wait what meme was that i don't know i feel like that's a meme (laughs) i mean this the the song in and of itself is a meme (laughs) yeah Um, a little bit oh 
Uh, uh, more more dance pop. No. Shit. Okay. When did? Hold on. I'm struggling to find another clue that won't give it away. Um. No, I'm blue. Was that 98 then? Um. Yeah. Early. I'm done. Oh god. Early internet memes. Because never gonna give you up was 80s. Mm. Blue was 98. Hamster Dance is not a real song and is also <laughs> from the meme. Um, Sound of Silence? No. Um, it It's known for using a very specific type of singing or like vocal styling. <sighs> did Weird Al Yankovic make a parody of it? Um, I would imagine he did. Let me look it up. Okay. Um, What's going on by four non blondes was ninety two or ninety three. Well, that's a good meme so though. It's not that. Um, I don't. Th- I can't find Who any yodels. Any record of Weird Al doing a cover of this? Who yodels? Is it yodel? No. Oh crap. Well, I'm out of. I'm out of thoughts. I do not know. It's a. It's a vocal styling associated with jazz. I'm a scat oh. man. Yep. 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 <laughs> that was number one. Ski- yeah. Um, Scatman ski ba bop ba dog bop by Scatman John was number one for John. Uh, five weeks the in nineteen ninety five. That is crazy to me. I I first heard of that song in my public school music class. Really? <laughs> yep. Wow, we love Which American public is, schools. Oh man. Oh, it's amazing. It's truly amazing. Scatman John and and Cotton Eye Joe. On the same number one, yeah. the, the, number one in the same year. What was happening with music? Nineties pop was weird. It was really weird, and also yeah. like all of the songs that have ma- maintained some sort of relevancy, like like none none of these really. <laughs> every every song there is purely ironic. Yeah, so far at least it has to be. <laughs> well, um, so next we have a. Uh, Number one from April 22nd until 20th of May. Uh, I don't know the song. It's by a boy band that wasn't really successful in the States. They're uh, in English. Take that. Yes. Hell yeah. I don't know I any Take That song. I'm surprised that you got that. Um, I, I watch enough British TV that I've heard them mentioned. <laughs> do you have an idea, uh, Melon? I've never heard of the band. <laughs> All right. It's called Back for Good. Mm. Um, Interesting, interestingly enough, they have come back for good. Hmm. Yeah, they're 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 notable in that their their like comeback run has been by all metrics more successful than their initial run, Hmm. which is interesting. It's like if the Backstreet Boys, instead of just like getting a residency in a Vegas casino, Mm -hmm. just became pop stars again. Huh. Yeah. Like the Jonas Brothers. Oh yeah, like the Jonas Brothers. Yeah, if they had more than one single since the comeback. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also, um, sharp-eared listeners would notice that um, they overtook Scatman and then were replaced by Scatman <laughs> at number one. God, that's um, embarrassing. Yeah, a little God. bit. All right. Um, 24th of June to the 15th of July is a song by a very famous brother and sister. My first thought was Sonny and Cher, and that is <laughs> deeply Oops. incorrect. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> also in 1995. I, hey, hey. The train of thought... Was running off the rails, all right? Unrelated Google. Just stop looking at my laptop. Sorry. I was Ellis just looked up Oasis and I was like, 
they're not brother and sister no i i'm, I'm checking when the peak I'm, I'm trying to remember when peak Britpop was 95 or like 96 97 i think yeah because like if 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 Oasis and Blur have not been on the charts yet, they probably won't be. But I don't know; they might be in the later. In the no, chart. I think like nineties, like ninety six and ninety seven. I think are peak Britpop. Okay, yeah. Um, they're American. American that brother doesn't and help, sister. Unfortunately, American they're, brother and sister nineties. They're both. You're gonna very... tell me who it is, and I'm gonna be like, I never would have guessed that those people are related. They're both very famous, but they're not known for performing together. Uh, 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 ben and his sister Shapiro. It, I no think that this song's music video is the most expensive music video ever. Oh, um, another hint. I really should know this, but I don't. Want me to tell you? Um, yeah. Do you, give me a I, last I, name. I if I give you the last name, you'll know it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, yeah, what is it? Uh, Scream by Michael Jackson and Janet Jackson. Oh! Wow. Yeah. You're Didn't right. They film part of that they music video in space. They perform together regularly. Did they? I, 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 I used to be obsessed with like the Wii game of Trivial Pursuit, and I remember one of the questions was, what is the most expensive music video ever? And I'm pretty sure it's that song. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it cost um, 11000 No, hold on. Eleven million seven hundred and forty-five thousand one hundred forty-one dollars. Interesting. Wikipedia claims seven million, hmm. but seven million nominal. Far too much money. Not, not adjusted. Either way. Oh god, it adjusted eleven. Oh wow. Yeah. Shisa. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, the, they... the next two are both Madonna songs. <laughs> of course, it, it does seem like they did film some what of it in in zero gravity conditions. Huh. So. <laughs> perhaps not space but the next best thing um all right for july 22nd july 29th uh i don't know the song it's by a canadian artist who had was more, more relevant in the 80s than he was the 90s male canadian yeah i guess i think he's canadian weird all the yep canadian all the canadians i know are either female or nickelback or justin mm-hmm. bieber he's a guitarist and singer or, or justin bieber but yeah 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 yeah, yeah. doesn't quite match he doesn't mm-hmm. count he's basically from los angeles mm-hmm. i'm probably angering somebody by saying that but i mean you're not wrong yeah um yeah no i is his first name ted nope darn it's ted. brian adams oh have you ever really loved a woman wow i did not know he was canadian yeah, yeah. he is cool good cool. for him um Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Canada's great. <laughs> All right. Uh, 5th of August through 19th of August um, is a song and an artist that I've literally never heard of. So I'm going to tell you it's um, Shy Guy by Diana King. I, yeah, I got nothing on that one. I listened to it when I was looking at this. It's pretty good. Nice. Um, <laughs> 26th of August to the 9th of one. What's that? Deserves number one kind of thing. I'd say so. Okay. Nice. I'd have to do a deeper dive on like what music was out in 1995 but yeah um all right next from the 26th of august to the 9th of september is the follow-up single by an artist that has previously been on this chart what the shit is it is it jacko michael jackson no oh um rednecks again no they didn't have nope. another single are you kidding me <laughs> um is it is it the other Scatman John song? Yes. What the fuck? <laughs> Scatman's World was at number one for three weeks. What the fuck? 
Holy shit. Okay. Good for you, Scott Van John. Yeah, and then he is so much more powerful than I would have ever given him credit for. <laughs> well, just based on listening to his songs alone. Yeah, I guess. Um 16th of September to 28th of October. Um by not an artist that's Scatman John, but an artist that we've brought up on this chart before. Is this one Michael Jackson? Yeah. Oh, okay. What came out in the 90s? What was 90s Michael Jackson? I don't know. Bad? No, that's earlier mm-hmm. than this. Um, what's the one that was going to be a duet with Prince and then it wasn't? I'm not sure. Oh, wait, no, that's bad again. <laughs> that was supposed to be a duet with Prince? I think so. Wow. He came out with a kind of compilation record in 95. Hmm. I don't know. A lot of these are pretty significant. Yeah, yeah. Fun it could fact, be any one of them, really. Fun fact, you are Michael Jackson, or a Bad by Michael Jackson was supposed to be a duet with Prince, but Prince didn't like the first line, which was, uh, your butt is mine. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, I God, I, I don't know. I'm surprised that they don't really neither of them were willing to compromise on that one line. No. What, what, what was that, Millen? I'm surprised that neither of them were willing to compromise on that one <laughs> yeah, line. I know. Um, um, okay, let me just try to remember Michael Jackson number ones. Earth Song, that's later. Um, uh, Human Nature. No. Black or White is before this, right? That's earlier. It's not Na- Black or White. I'm pretty sure Black or White is early. It's not. Yeah. Um, 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 yeah, no, I got nothing. Uh, it's You Are Not Alone. I don't even know that song. At least off the top of my head. Neither do I. All right, for one week, November fourth, a best ver- kind, a very powerful song. Oh no! Um, it, it's, I guess he's a rapper. He's a rapper. He's a rapper. Okay. From, Jamaica. Is this Shaggy? Yeah, Boombastic. Okay. Yeah, he's from Jamaica, right? Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's one more song. <laughs> one week of Shaggy. Yeah, one week one. of Shaggy, and then um. 11th of November How many until weeks total of of Scatman John. Oh, too many. Um, it was... I just want to know how racist the nineties were. <laughs> <laughs> These um, are also European charts, so hip hop's going to be less prevalent. He was number one for eight weeks. weeks. That is wow. <laughs> two months of Scatman John. Two months on of top. Scatman. One week of Shaggy. <laughs> um, but rounding out the year is um, it's sung by an American rapper. It was very popular in the States, still very popular now, was like, not like the theme song, but it was like the central song of a, of a movie that came out around this time. Is this Gangster's Paradise by Coolio? Yeah. Did you guess that before? No. Oh, okay. I just intoned, just... <laughs> I, I, I intoned it like I had, but I yeah. hadn't. No. This is yeah. Gangster's Paradise by uh, Coolio featuring LV. Uh, There's a feature on that song? Cool. Yeah. I didn't know that either. <laughs> Um, but also songs in the top 10 that week were Self-Esteem by The Offspring. Um, Damn, okay. Uh, Be My Lover by LaBouche. Bop. Uh, and Basket Case by Green Day. Oh, oh, and Digging the Grave by Faith No More was number 20. That's weird. I'm sad we didn't get to talk about a Green Day number one. That would have been fun. Yeah. But again, well, probably more popular in the US than it was in Europe. Yeah, know. definitely. Surprised there's no TLC here. Weren't they... They were later, weren't they? I don't think so. Wasn't Pretty Waterfall sure in 98 or something? That was not... T- Wait, that was that? In a Waterfall 94 is TLC. I mean, is, is Crazy Sexy Cool. 
Oh, weird. Maybe they weren't as popular in Europe as they were in the States. Maybe. Oh, and weirdly, um, number 18 is a song called Secret Garden by Bruce Springsteen. Like one of the bands that was in Eurovision. Oh. This year. Oh, okay. (laughs) Speaking of that. All right, Brucey. um, (laughs) So yeah, like like we said, the Eurovision Song Contest 1995 was held in Dublin. As you both probably noticed, the host said that for the first time, this is the first time that the Eurovision Song Contest had been held in the same country for three consecutive years. Yeah. What the fuck, Ireland? Um, Did they just decide to win everything? I can't say. Okay. um, But know that you never said that they won three times in a row, just that it was hosting there. I'm not going to comment on it, but I think it's worth bringing up. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, (laughs) That sounds like a lot of expenses for the Irish broadcaster. Before they joined the EU. (laughs) Oh, geez. Yeah, I don't know how they did that. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't really think that there's much else to talk about in terms of what happened before. Other than that, that, um... The postcards were really weird this year. They were like really long compilations. Yeah, they of... were so long. They were like a full minute. You'd think that after three years of running the contest, the Irish stagehands would be pretty good at swapping out sets. So there's no, like, there. it doesn't seem like there's any good reason for the postcards to have taken as long as they did. Yeah, and it was weird too because none of them really followed a theme like they sometimes do. Yeah, yeah. Like it was just like the artist like doing everything and anything in Ireland, which was kind of weird. Um, yeah, there's there's one that we we I get to uh, poke Millen about later. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Fun. Yeah. So without further ado, I think we're ready to start with song number one. I think we are. Yeah. Which was uh, "Sama" by Justina from Poland. And before we get into it, welcome to the Fun Fact Fjord. Right off the bat. We're taking a trip to Fun Fact Fjord. Right off the bat. Not, not that fun, but I thought it was. Um, she came second huh. on Polish Dancing with the Stars. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Also Compared dancing- to some of your other fun facts that aren't that fun. Yeah. This is like, this is a pretty fun. <laughs> um... But yeah, this one is perhaps the strangest song to ever start the Eurovision Song Contest. Like this set a really weird vibe. I'm, I like the song a lot. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. like, man, this was weird. Yeah. So, it, it the 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 song is an odd combination of perfectly good. Um, it's an odd combination of perfectly good song with perfectly good singer with like shitty recorder dude playing uh playing the song from lord of the rings like it's yeah yeah it like i i feel bad for this tin whistle player because they are not doing a good job which is you think it was intentionally like dissonant 
it, maybe that kind of seemed like, like the vibe of this song that's it, what i interpreted at least i don't know because like i could definitely see that happening but the rest of it is very smooth at least it's smooth in a way I guess that the tin whistle isn't it's i i think it's smooth but it's dark like jonathan mm. was saying i think dissonant is more of a it's a stronger word to describe it than simply like harsh i guess Mm, because yeah. the vibe that this song kicked off the show for me with was uh, a little bit mysterious, a little bit on the slower side, and um, kind of pushing the the boundaries of quote unquote acceptable Eurovision music, just just minorly. And I think that it was a weird way to start the show, but I it was almost the perfect way to start the show. Because those three things of like dark, slow, mm. and trying out new things it runs through almost all of these songs. That <laughs> yeah, is true. Yeah. They really laid it out all laid it all out on the table for for this one, and it, yeah, it makes sense. I yeah. guess I think this was randomly chosen, though. Well, I'm impressed then. Yeah, yeah, it, it worked so well. I oh, I like the song a lot, actually. Yeah, I, I maybe um, it wasn't though because I think. We'll get to it, but I think one of the songs was intentionally chosen to be performed in one certain slot. But um, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I. Yeah, I shouldn't make it sound like I didn't like the song because I did like the song, and I was close to really liking it. But it kept just doing like one little thing that was like, why, why that? <laughs> um, but I do like it overall. It's also a lovely example of '90s breakbeats. The '90s really liked breakbeats. This song has a a, a lovely breakbeat. There's just like just like the 2010s were the year of the at least at the start the the the, the you had your dubstep <laughs> your halftime breakbeat and then you had your Mr. Florida rap man fist pump four on the floor 90s were all about them them soft boards of canada breakbeats and so i enjoyed this i love me a good soft boards of canada breakbeat <laughs> also i think the fashion was kind of fun um I, yeah, I remember like so. I don't, I don't fully remember what the like the violinist and the like flute player were wearing, but I said that it was fun, um, and I liked. Um, yeah, they were they were they were looking like they do traditional Polish dress. Yeah, yeah, very that. And um, this is the second example from a Eurovision year that we've uh, done where the lead singer looks very Matrix chic. <laughs> but interestingly this is before the matrix but she actually's yeah, wearing this like very long trench coat and this like billowy black dress yeah. oh i mean if we're talking about matrix chic there's one later up uh oh, really? i think it was sweden yeah sweden has a similar vibe <laughs> oh interesting i forget i forget that but i'm excited to get into that i quite enjoyed the outfit for this one um it was almost like a like a sheer reflective material i don't yeah. know how to describe it exactly oh the coat? maybe just the, the video yeah the coat it yeah, looks the... a little bit um like velvety almost yeah that's what i was that's what i was thinking either way it's cool it was, it was interesting it yeah. was fun i i tried to find this one on spotify because i totally would have added it to my playlist Same. but it's not there yeah yeah Very oh, and also we haven't even talked about what this song is probably most remembered or not most remembered for but like is it the insane operatic high note? High note? Yeah, yeah, that was crazy. 
Yeah, she's she's got some she's got some opera pipes. Yeah, and there's a song coming up where the singer or the singers were very talented, but I was like, okay, but why are we doing all this? But for this one, it it made sense with the song that she was using this vocal range, and I think it added a lot to it rather than just like kind of putting it in for the sake of like, oh, she can do this, let's do that, you know? Yeah, it it it, it works with the way the rest of the song is laid out. It, like it yes. works, it, it works, works with, with the the sonic palette, I guess. It works with the whistle that you were slightly yeah. annoyed at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they should have just replaced the whistle with another clone of her so that she could do the whistle note. I actually. When she started to hit that note, I was like, okay, whoa, that's impressive. And then she held it for so long that I thought it was someone playing a whistle, and I just <laughs> heard the beginning part of it wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> also, I think that... we have to talk about the lyrics. We don't normally bring them up, but um, I looked at her translation, and it's really weird. It's about, um, she's singing about how in like the greater scheme of God's creation, she is nothing but a flea. And she's like a small creation living in this large world and that that's comforting. Okay. Um, I don't like it. Yeah. That, <laughs> that feels, it feels like it feels appropriate for the, the stage and the look and the sound in the nineties, but like sad nineties, not happy nineties. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, it is out of character for Eurovision though, certainly. Mm-hmm. Assuming that that concludes all of our thoughts, can you even like fathom how this one might place? I mean, I I have this one on my good songs list. This is this is the first of our of our entries to make it onto Ellis's lists of Ellis's list of acceptable musical creations. Mm-hmm. Um, so can I ask how long that list is? Five. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Acceptable. Ac- acceptable is a strong word, actually. Um, I thought many of these were acceptable. Which is why there's a, such a small good songs list, um, but yeah, I so hopefully this will do pretty decent is mm-hmm. what I'm gonna say. I also want this to do quite well, and given the fact that the field is so similar, usually we say similar like a bad thing, like every song sounds the same, but they they all kind of play with similar motifs, I guess. Mm. So given that, I think that this song does it better than a lot of the other songs. So I also hope it does well. I think this one definitely goes the hardest for like what it's trying to do. Yeah. yeah. Which is in a year where a lot of people didn't go nearly hard enough is a good thing. For sure. Did either of you say like where (laughs) I like, do you have, did you even have an idea? No, I think this, this is a year of, this is a year where because a lot of the songs are very similar, it's going to come down to execution, Mm -hmm. which is something that I am never good at guessing because Mm -hmm. it's how is the judges, how are the judges seeing execution and Mm -hmm. reading it? So this like could go fucking anywhere, but I liked it. So I hope it does well. Cool. Miss America answers all around. Um, (laughs) So um, I think it means we're ready to move on. So up next, we have song number two, which is the host country, Ireland. And the song is Dreamin' by Eddie Freel. And before we get into it, we are going to both Controversy Corner and Fun Fact Fjord. Oh, boy. Controversy Corner. There were uh, heavy plagiarism allegations made toward this song. Um, it, of course. Yes, it was. It People allege that it sounded really similar to a song called Moonlight by Julie Felix. I haven't listened to it, 
but I don't doubt it. And um, apparently the Irish broadcaster considered for a while that they would use the second place entry in their national final, which was Always You by Neve Penson as a replacement, but this song ultimately went to Eurovision. That's a, sh- that's a shame. This is the one that I was hinting at earlier that um, they intentionally chose this one, I think, for the spot that it went to, because as is a theme for this song, I think that this whole performance was an effort for Ireland not to have to host for a fourth consecutive year. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also, fun fact for real quick, um, he oh, toured yeah. with Van Morrison playing piano. For sure. I like that. I like that I too. didn't like the song very much. Oh, though. no. No. Yeah. yeah. This is like the worst version of like a 50s mu- movie musical song, I feel like. Yeah, it's it's so dated. It, like even for the time. I think it goes far enough for for like it goes so far that it, it almost becomes like throwback and vintage, but it's but at the end of the day it's just not good. <laughs> about vintage though. One thing we haven't mentioned yet is the staging. Oh yeah. Um, which is let me just say balls to the wall impressive like yeah it's it's pretty everything cool. there's so much going on at any given moment on this stage there's two different shapes like types of shapes that can come down from the ceiling and light up in oh, different yeah. ways yeah and it can do these like laser projections of rotating cubes on the sides and oh it's just whack uh but the stage itself looks almost like a piece of fabric is laid on top of the stage and then is kind of lifted up and tucked away into the ceiling behind the performers. Yeah, it looks almost like um like a night sky with stars. Yeah, yeah. I... Except in this one, the lights that were projected onto it or were on it, um, Ellis reminded me of, almost exactly of your vintage sweater from that time that we went <laughs> shopping. Yeah, I, I can see it sitting right... Oh, yeah. Yes. Huzzah. Are you wearing that right now? No, I'm not. It's it's. Okay. I'm on okay. the sixth floor of a building with no HVAC, so it's quite warm. But yeah, also I think this is this song. It's funny because this song is funny to me, and the way that we're talking about it is funny because we've talked about like circumstances where we talk about the out- outfit before the song because the song is so bad. But we can't even talk about the outfit here because it's so pedestrian. That we're... he's wearing a gray suit. So we're just talking about like like the tactical aspects of the show that were true for every performance. Yeah. Cuz we can't find a single thing to talk about. The 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 only essentially the only thing that I actually wrote down about the song aside from it's dated is uh, a poorly used accordion. Oh yeah. I thought the accordion he, the the I I'm all, I love the uh, the the addition of whack ass instruments. Hmm. Uh not that the accordion is that strange in the grand scheme of things, but like not something that is traditionally used in pop music. And this was just disappointing because it was like, yay, accordion. Oh, that's a shame. Because mm. it's like, 
They're not they're not doing the slow song Paris accordion. They're not doing the fun grease alcohol is free accordion. Mm. It's just like uh Yes. That's a good callback. Yeah. Um I felt like two things stood out to me about this performance. One, he was sitting but not at a piano like just in in front of the microphone even oh. in ballads they stand and that gives it more movement. Yeah. Mhm then it was really weird that he was sitting. Yeah. Um, and two, this song felt like if it were in a Disney Pixar movie, <laughs> it would be better than it was. Like, yeah. I can imagine this being in Wally kind of thing. But like, you even know? still, it's then the, the song from the movie that nobody remembers and then it gets stuck on the, on the, on the soundtrack. Yeah. You know? That's yeah. true. It's like, but this... that would have made it better than it was. This had no appeal. Yeah, it could have been nostalgic if it were Good. important enough to yes to do anything to be anything. I think ultimately it just needed to make more choices and be a little bit more higher energy for for I it mean, to achieve like <laughs> that nostalgic feeling. Yeah. Clearly, they were making choices though, in that they did not want to host again. <laughs> yeah. But also, um. We just talked about um, Portugal second place national final 2020, which is on our new show, uh, Eurovision Fast Forward, that you can listen to right now. But that did something sort of similar where it was a very vintage sound, but it was very dynamic and also also made more clear like references to like the 40s and 50s. Um, so there's yeah. a, there's definitely a way to do that successfully. This just actively decided not to do that. Because it doesn't go far enough in any direction. No, that's a good point. Yeah. And it just suffers for it um do you think that this will stand any chance of doing anything no no i don't i think this is in the bottom five probably ouch <laughs> i don't know i feel like it it's bad but it's not actively bad i guess like you're saying it's not making enough decisions um any which way so definitely the bottom half but i feel like around 14 or 15 maybe all right so that concludes our thoughts on that song moving to the next one this is germany's uh, stone and stone performing song number three which was verliebt in dich Stone and Stone, my favorite law firm. <laughs> uh, before we go, before we get into the song, though, we are going back to Controversy Corner. Hey! Wow! Right away. Yeah. So, for some reason, the German public hated this. For some reason. Well, okay, but. I'm with that one. Hear me out. Okay, okay. Okay. okay so, so the German people felt that they should have chosen a more mainstream artist, a song in a style more suitable for Eurovision, and they felt the song to be quote undistinguished. I think that they, if they, they had chosen um, a white couple, they wouldn't have had such issues with it. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. Yeah. They also criticized um, the singer Cheyenne's vocal performance for being too shaky, and they thought her dress was ugly, apparently. 
so they face a lot of scrutiny in their home country um but yeah i'll, I'll let you guys go first i think i'm gonna disagree with you it's i thought this was just bad like the, the there this has in my mind very few redeeming qualities i it's <laughs> it's the i agree that her singing is sub what you would desire for a eurovision entrance mm, yeah it's got questionable bagpipe usage um it's got a hell of a key change mm-hmm. which depending on how you think about key changes is i i thought this was like I, I I thought this was laughable. I did not think this was good at all. Millen, I am with you, Ellis. Um, usually, I make note of key changes, especially where they are good or bad, which is you know most of them. I think this one I didn't even write it down. I remember it distinctly, but I remember it doing <laughs> nothing for the song. Yeah. Um, I like the bass player. I love. He brought bass energy. He was slapping it. He was tapping it. He was he was playing some funky bass line. Hmm. Um, she looked like she had just escaped from a cult. <laughs> and during every oh, single oh, chorus, okay. her voice was drowned out entirely um, hmm. by the backing vocalists, by the instrumentalists. All everyone on stage did better than her during the choruses. Um, the bagpipes felt gimmicky it felt like they were trying to perform in scotland and not in ireland mm. i don't know clearly like, they should have brought oil in pipes <laughs> oh yeah obviously yeah that didn't add anything to the song it was it was off it was off for sure yeah i by no means loved this um i i liked what they did with the staging they had a full band which i think was um effective and yeah. It's a big I, stage, so it fills it up well. Yeah, and I think that they were one of the few acts to have brighter colors in their staging, which I think made it more memorable for me, at least. Also good. Yeah, I like. I, I agree with kind of what we were talking about in the last one, that the stage is very impressive. But that said, it is dark. and It swallows you up. It, it really does. Yeah. And in a year with little bombast, <laughs> as I alluded to in my intro, having... A dark stage that swallows you up leads to stuff feeling even less impactful. And so while I, I liked the design of the stage and not a lot of people used it well, but this does use it well. Yeah. Um, and I also liked the bassist a lot. He was giving us he was giving us bass slaps. He was really he was really doing it all. Um, but yeah, no, I have to agree with you. The vocal was weak, the bagpipe seemed out of place. I said that she looked like uh, bargain bin version of Cher from the 70s yeah. and oh and then there was this one part um, this I feel like this song screamed for like an anthemic moment or a moment that was really satisfying but it just never it never got there for me I feel like if, if she was chanting during the chorus instead of trying to sing that could have oh that would have really solved good. that yeah that could have done a lot for it um, yeah Ultimately, I though, know. I said that this I, lacks soul and conviction. Yes, indeed. This is going pretty near the bottom for me. Mm-hmm. Definitely bottom three. Oh, whoa. Yeah, I would. I would imagine this makes the makes the 
Th- this definitely hit the shoot in the game of shoots and ladders. <laughs> that is the place been forward. Well put. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so after Germany was Bosnia and Herzegovina with song number four, which was Dvadeset Pirvi Viek, sung by Davorin Popovic. I quite liked this one. Yeah. Yeah, I like I liked his mustache. I liked the funky bass. This was kind of like the R&B song that I was hinting at or at least really? one of them. There is a significantly more. <laughs> well, there is. I There is, but this one was like very like R&B jazz booth listening vibes, I feel. Um I don't really know what to say about this. I feel I, I feel like I should say more because I liked it, but um, there wasn't really much to it. Um, you felt, hmm? I felt the same way. Yeah. It like it endeared itself to me in some way. The song wasn't great. I would like. Hmm. It's not standing out. It's not amazing. But I quite liked it. The singer is just some guy. Like he's not wearing anything particularly really exciting. He's just not, some guy too. He could have been the conductor and no one would have noticed. He could have swapped those people. That's it. I think it's part of why I like it. He's got a nice... Yeah. He's got a nice voice. There's a very lovely kind of like uh, synthy piano ending. Yeah. Um, It's it's nice. I don't know why. (laughs) Yeah. This one got a lot of almosts from me. Like it's it's Mm. almost really good. It's almost funk but like doesn't commit fully there i thought the um the chorus w- like the chorus got a little bit elevatory i think like yeah. it, it got a little yeah. bit musacky but overall i i One thought note. yeah yeah i thought it was i thought it was decent i enjoyed it to a certain extent um it's not it's not uh, not bad by any means um the singer is cracking me up cuz he's all like move the hands close the eyes got passion oh yeah um which is really entertaining for both the song and for what he looks like um but it's like yeah this is it, perfectly good it's it's a perfectly good song do you think that the juries will find it the same way or he, he better kinda, or worse he kind of looks like scatman john <laughs> he does yeah mm-hmm. um i don't know what the juries are going to make of this honestly i like i i thought I remember this more than I remember so many of the other songs this year. So I do think it'll get a, a boost there. So I like I think this could end up doing quite good. I think this could end up doing quite good. So I would put this probably top eight. That's bold. <laughs> I would... Hmm, I don't know. I think that I would like it to be in the middle, but it doesn't have the... Like, he doesn't have this kind of panache about him mm-hmm. that makes the performance as a whole do well um there's, there's a lot of better performances there's a, a fair amount of better songs i would like roughly half of them i think this is pretty much dead center for me 
Uh, but I, I feel like it's going to go a little bit lower than that for the judges. Mm, to lack, uh, or no, to quote Ellis's favorite Eurovision so- song, he does not have the je ne sais quoi. <laughs> um, and before we move on to the next song, um, we are going to Fun Fact Fjord. I, f- I forgot. Welcome to the Fun Fact Fjord. Yeah, so um, he apparently passed away in June of 2001, and his Wikipedia page thought it was necessary to That's note that he was buried, but like in terms of plots, between one of his bandmates and the Bosnian basketball player Mirza Delabashik. Interesting. Okay. Oh, I don't know cool. how and why they know that, but very interesting. Thanks, Wikipedia. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. So I think that means we're ready to move on to song number five, which was Nocturne by Secret Garden from Norway. And before we get into it, we're going to Fun Fact Fjord. Welcome to the Fun Fact Fjord. Yeah, so um, the two like main members of Secret Garden are Rolf Loveland and Fanula Sherry. And they actually met at the Eurovision Song Contest 1994. Oh, where, um, neat. That is a fun fact, yeah. Where, um, so Wait, Fanula... it was only one year? Yeah, they've been together for one year, I guess. And, but, um... There, Fanula was a member of the RTE Concert Orchestra for Ireland, so she's, she's Irish. And Rolf was the composer of the Norwegian entry that year. And also, I did not know this, but Secret Garden wrote and released the original version of You Raise Me Up, which was famously covered by Josh Groban. Oh, whoa. Whoa, okay. That's the, the unexpected. Jesus song? <laughs> yeah, the Jesus song. Also, that was crazy. The, the, the song from that vine where it's like you raise me up but it's like that manatee seal. at the yeah the seal <laughs> wow okay yeah um this song i really like this song good i was afraid you wouldn't like no it. i i'm like i'm all over this i thought this song was great i like it a lot that said why is it at eurovision there yeah. is very little singing here there's there's some some there's I I looked this up the other day while we were watching this. It's like a bow, some sort of bowed, uh, uh, sorry, no, uh, some sort of keyed string instrument. It's like a keyed violin, oh. vaguely resembling a hurdy gurdy. Um, yeah, I. Ugh. Yeah. We looked uh, at nickel harp, something like that. Yeah. yeah. There's a violin soloist who does a great job. There's a a um, a better executed tin whistle. Yeah. Oh, for Although, sure. Looking at it now, it might be a recorder. No, I think um, it's a missile. Yeah, uh, some sort of fipple flute. Haha, <laughs> technical terms. Um, 
And the singer, when she's there, is like very good. Flawless. Yeah, like uh, more more sort of like opera-y soundings, like soprano, very ethereal. This whole song is very ethereal. Mm. It, like it sounds like it's out of the Lord of the Rings soundtrack yeah, to a certain extent. Yeah, very that. <clears throat> and so like... I enjoy all those things. I like weird instruments. I like ethereal music. I like the Lord of the Rings soundtrack. I like everything about this. But it's so the opposite of what a Eurovision song needs to be, which is yeah, vocal-led, vocal-driven, vocal performance. This is not. Why is it here? Yeah. Also, um, something I was going to mention in Fun Fact that I forgot to write down was that uh, this song, as you might imagine, held the record for fewest words in a Eurovision song until that weird Finnish song from 1998 where they slapped <laughs> that bass. <laughs> yeah, even though it had singing throughout, it like repeated the same like four words. But anyway, um, I agree with you, Alice. I love this. This is just like, it's very simple because it's just like instrumental music. The staging is pretty bare bones. It's just... A bunch of people playing instruments or singing. They're not moving. The stage is very dark, and there's kind of this, um, like, like this effect of like bubbles and almost like stars on the the floor and the backdrop of the stage, which I think does a really good job of like conveying like a serene nighttime vibe. Yeah, the 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 violinist is incredible, super expressive, um, and it's also like I feel like she could have easily really crapped this up with a lot of like vibrato and a lot of like classical techniques, but she didn't. Which I think makes it a lot uh, more genuine. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's simple but effective. Yeah, like if she did what um, the violinist from Croatia was doing, it, this would not have worked at all. And yeah, no, I just think this is so well done and like nothing like we like is normally at Eurovision. Yeah, I'm I'm entirely with y'all. I love this song. It's very much like a I'm glad Spotify kind of sleep soundscape thing you know i was i was very shocked when there was about like a minute and a half of instrumental in the middle very much a song that i can and definitely will fall asleep to i added it to my playlist Mm. um i really like it i really like the uh instrumentals that were going on very skilled vocals Mm. were great when they were there yeah, I think it's going to do really well, even though it's not a, uh, I guess, even though it's not technically a song fit for Eurovision, I think it's going to perform at least like top three for me. Yeah, that that's where, that's where I don't know, because like I, this is, this is on the hundred percent on my list of good songs. I thought this was great. One of my favorite songs of the year. I don't. No, I don't think the jury is going to give this points because the vocal selections are very well executed, but there is one at the start and there is one at the end and there is nothing in the middle. And I, I like, I can hundred percent see the jury going, excuse me, what, why, how, what, who, what, what are you doing? No, go back to, go back to the Norway whence you came with your violins and your lack of singing and get out get out of our singing contest yeah it's it's weird because i think up until this point there hadn't really been a song that had been this instrumental so really instrumental as in like instruments not like never mind we're on the same page (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. um so do you so so no no real judgment there it's hard it's hard to tell i think i think it'll get pushed to the bottom oh whoa via jury 
Huh. Yeah, because there's a jury doing all this. On, but like unjustly. So that that's interesting. Fine. Okay, yeah. so we are coming into song number six, which was "Koli Belnaya Dia Vulkana" by Philip Kirkorov from Russia. And before we get into it, we're going to Controversy Corner. Controversy Corner. Oh, yeah, we are. I was hoping for one on this song. Um, So, Philip Kirkorov is, like, truly a garbage person. Um, Oh, really? Yeah, no, he's awful. He has a very checkered past with um, perpetrating violence against women. You can tell from his hair. Yeah, he gives off that vibe low-key. Oh, Um, yeah. He's, but also in spite of that, he's still very present in the Eurovision scene. He writes and produces a lot of um, ex-Soviet Eurovision songs of recent years. Like he wrote Russia's song 2019, Moldova 2018. Like he's, he's definitely a, a, a big player in terms of, in terms of Eurovision. But, um, but yeah, I don't know how to feel about this song. I think it's good. I think I liked it. He had a great voice. He was giving you soul and conviction. He was wearing the puffy shirt from Seinfeld and overall gave a very big vampire pirate vibe. Yeah, with you on the pirate. Uh, I thought he looked like the governor of Port Royal. Um, from and I, um, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes, <laughs> but also just generally what the governor of Port Royal might oh, look like. the hair. Yeah, because he's That's got pirate funny. hair, pirate shirt, and some wildly tight pants. Um <laughs> so short (laughs) yeah but they waste the look on the song i saw this dude and i was like hell yeah gildo hot deutsch lieb we're gonna have some fun yes and then he sang another slow song and it's like why why would you bring out bath salts crooner mozart (laughs) and then sing this instead of something weird and crazy darn this is a standout though for me in all of the slow songs of the night just because of how i I think that if he didn't look like that this would be more acceptable just because i think that in terms of like what a slow ballad can do it does everything right and it does everything well and and in like an interesting way too because he has those cool vocal moments um but yeah this is probably one of like probably top 10 for me like this was one of my highlights of the night oh wow that is not i i went the complete opposite way oh weird. easily bottom 10 oh whoa probably okay. bottom well there, there are only yeah like 20 songs so i mean there's 23 i think yeah bottom yeah i, I put this one as like 18 I oh whoa know. um like personally or how you think for me, do? both honestly hmm. uh, uh the the first few notes i was like okay this is something that could be a christmas song you know <sighs> Every now and again, there's a song that has Christmas vibes, and that's not that's not a bad Israel thing. Real 1979. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, 
I thought it was going that direction. I was kind of excited for it. Uh, suddenly, he started singing, and his voice is rough to listen to when you're going into it with that kind of Christmas crooner ballad mindset. It's technically um, proficient, though. Like he's he hits all of his notes. Yeah, that's I, true. I I agree. I fully agree. It's but a little bit. It's it, like it's rough, though. It's harsh. It's uh, gravelly, almost. I don't know. Um, no, no, no. There's a different one that's, for sure. Yeah, there's there's a much gra- more gravelly one later. His outfit, like we said, is weird. Him as a person, like we've already mentioned, is weird. Um, the song and his place in it was also weird because <laughs> the instrumentals were like uh, not bouncy, as in there was a lot of kind of reverb, but bouncy as in they kind of hit you and then left. Um, it was rock ballad, but with these punchy notes every now and again. And it just, everything about it felt wrong to me. <laughs> the only, the really good thing I thought was the background singers. I thought they did amazing. I think, mm-hmm. I, you know, their vocal arrangement was very impressive, but they were the only thing about this song that sounded like a real song and not some kind of ai generated you know fed off of rock ballads and absurdity you know tune it's it's a product of its era i think and not in a good way yeah i think we're well i think it seems a little bit dated it's almost like an 80s like late 80s rock ballad almost which i guess isn't that far off but um I think we're in total agreement because everything you said I agreed with, except for the fact that it felt wrong. I think this felt right. <laughs> okay, then for the I, same reasons you didn't like it. <laughs> I fully support you in that. Then I'm, I'm, I think I'm right in the middle of you two. Like I think mm-hmm. this is it. I don't think it stood out necessarily as a good song. The only thing that like made this stand out for me was the way this dude looked and how he dropped to a one knee at the end, which is stupid. Uh, but in a that good way. That was stupid. Um, but yeah, I like. I, I aside from that, I really have no way of differentiating this. So like, towards the middle for me. Time to move on to Iceland, and it is Nuna by Bo Haldorsen, song number seven. This is the one where I first noticed how dynamic the staging was. And that's um, because there is not much to the song. Hey yo. Yeah. <laughs> that is that is true. Uh, the staging is really to good. To talk though. about this staging was awesome. Yeah. There were these like graphs, I guess you could say, like points in space that descended from the ceiling that were connected with lines. Very constellation, um, yeah. Very constellation y. Very interesting. I love the way they looked. That's pretty much all I have to say. The song 
Uh, if you've ever seen Phineas and Ferb, like I have, mm-hmm. then you will be well aware of the band Love Handle in the yeah. show. Yes. Yeah. Um, and they have a song in that show, which is very obviously a, a kind of spoof off of this type of music. You are so um, correct. And this song, to me, feels derivative of Love Handle. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it Love does. Handle was the source, you know, was using this song as its source material. It feels like a version of the satirical piece. It's so blatantly, it hits all of the tropes of this bad kind of like uh, power guitar ballad. Um it's it's just absurd. I did. I will say, I kind of liked his outfit. I thought that was pretty neat. Very priestly. This jacket. Yeah, with, I thought he looked yeah, like a priest. priest. It was interesting. I like that. I did not like any part of the song. His voice. It wasn't uh, powerful. Like he he didn't carry any weight as a performer. The guitar in the background stole the show, and like I said, not in a good way. It felt like Phineas and Ferb music. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's kind of it. Yeah, I, I think the characterization of this as derivative of a parody of a genre is really on point. Yeah. Because it, like, it's just, we've heard this song so many times and it doesn't do anything aside from look like a priest. Yeah, the way that I put, um, the way that I articulated that was I said that this sounds vaguely royalty free. <laughs> I like that. Other than uh, the bitch and guitar solo in the middle, that was kind of fun. But also like very uh, archetypical love ballad. It has to do bad, right? Unless it doesn't. Yeah. yeah, it does. It really does. It really does. It does nothing. Why would you vote for this? Why would you give this points? I feel like it's not in the in the depths. It's not in the trenches, I guess. Mm. But it's certainly low. I, like 16 or 17 is where this feels right to me. Okay. But anyway, we'll move on to song number eight, which... Oh, these German pronunciations. This is Die Welt Trech Dich Werkert by Stella Jones from Austria. This was fabulous. I loved it. I this thought was that so, so much fun. Sorry, yeah. please continue. No, I was about to say the same thing. This was really fun. I loved the outfits. Um, was this the one where it was like all of like it was like red checkered almost? Yeah, diamond cutout shapes. Diamond cutout shapes. Yes, I thought that I loved the the saxophone player. She was really oh, giving it to me. Yes, she was great with the long yes. It was so cool. She was so sassy. I loved every second of her on that stage. The saxophone was almost as big as she was. <laughs> yes. Was oh, look amazing. at the drummer. These the are the drummer, coolest people I've ever seen in my life. I'm going to say it. The stage is fully gold. Like somehow they do something with the projector to yeah. make it look like it's like actively sparkling as they're on it. Um, 
the I, I sent this one to the group chat, but the the drum like intro sounded <laughs> sounded exactly exactly like uh, the Rascal Flats "Life on the Highway." Is that what's called? Life, Life is a highway. Something like that. Life is a highway. Yeah, it's exactly the exact same drum fill, and that's fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, for Ellis's lack of bombastic qualities in songs this song brought some i think or perhaps boombastic oh that's (laughs) true yeah Um, i thought that was just great (laughs) in the best way possible i thought this song sounded like the theme song to a german sitcom i can see it it sort of reminds me like the full house theme song (laughs) but in a good way like this is better than that i feel like yeah, I I, I like I like this one. This awesome. this was on my list of good songs. Um, it, I I didn't like the outfits nearly as much as you guys did. They <laughs> they look kind of like Whoopi Goldberg on Star Trek sort of thing. <gasps> Whoopi Goldberg thing? on Star Trek had a higher budget than this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. This was cool. It, it was good. This song needed energy, and this brought energy and jazz and excitement. Mm. Very. Which was great. Um, this is the R and B song you were referring to, right, Millen? No, really, what? not at all. Oh, okay. oh, are you talking about the UK? Yeah, I'm talking about the UK. Okay, we'll cross that bridge straight when up, we cross that bridge. Great TLC vibes. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, very. Um, yeah, this one, this one was fun. I agree with the uh, the juxtaposition of large saxophone on small woman, which was funny. <laughs> yeah. um, but she was killing it. Everyone was killing it. The drummer was really into it. Mm. The singer was good. The song was good. Performance was good. The song needed this song. Or no, sorry. The show needed this song. And I'm glad it was here. And, and it, so and the, it's going to benefit from that. And this fin- this had a super strong finish too. It had like the like, da-da. And it, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Any song that finishes like that is, is good in my book. <laughs> this, to me, I've, okay, I've kind of ranted and raved already. <laughs> but something about this song this song was amazing the song was so good it was not great it was like in the uncanny valley of a great song i know it's, yeah it was so close yeah. to being truly impeccable it is definitely that, eurovision good versus real good yeah but it's still, yes for sure yeah <laughs> i think it's i think it's great compared to the rest of the field i think it's so close to being great in real life as well uh but i don't know if the judges will like it yeah I definitely that's my agree one with you. fear for this song <laughs> also ellis yeah this just came to mind your point about the outfits all i'm saying is if this were a project runway collection <laughs> there's definite cohesion without being redundant that every is piece true. Every outfit adds something new, you know. You got yeah, the I don't know. I feel like the I th- classy look of the saxophonist. You got the kind of street chic of the drummer. Everything works together. Pretty <laughs> good. You pretty got, good. <laughs> you can't tell me that Nina Garcia would like any of these outfits. Though. Oh no! All of the judges would hate it. <laughs> it would be cohesive. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree with you, though, Milan. That this isn't. It's hard to classify this as great, just because. It kind of isn't, but it's a lot of fun, and I think that's really all that matters. Yeah. Ellis, where do you think this one's going to go? Um, I think this is going to 
do well because I think it is an excellent song and unlike Secret Garden is like works in a Eurovision context. Uh, so I think this is going to do quite well. I do not think it is going to win because I have a pick to win, but I do think it is going to do well. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Eurovision Rewind podcast. We will be back next week with part two, of course, as always, as usual. We also have a new sub-series of the Eurovision Rewind, uh, episode one of which is on our feed right now. It is Eurovision Fast Forward. On this go-round, we took a look at the OGAE second chance contest for songs from the year 2020 that did not make it in to the Eurovision Grand Final. So go check that one out. It's a party. Also do some some fantasy Eurovisioning at the end. We've got more great bonus content like that in the works. Uh, if you want to help support that more great bonus content, you can go check us out on our Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash vocab gumbo there for a couple bucks a month or more if you so desire, which you really don't have to. And is probably fiscally irresponsible, but it would help us out. Um, but there for a couple bucks a month, you can support us, support the cost of the show, help make more great content. You can also follow us on the social medias at Eurovision underscore rewind on Instagram and at vocab gumbo on Twitter. Uh, for Jonathan and for Millen and for everyone else here at vocab gumbo, thank you for listening to the show. Have a good one.